we are so excited to announce our 2021 Doxology and Theology Conference. For details about the conference, head over to our website, the newly designed biblicalworship.com. Welcome to the Doxology and Theology Podcast, presented by the Institute for Biblical Worship at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. That's right, I said the Doxology and Theology Podcast, a podcast for worship leaders who know that the gospel is so good, it has to be sung. I'm your host, Matthew Westerholm, Associate Professor of Church Music and Worship at Southern Seminary and the Executive Director of the Institute for Biblical Worship. On today's episode, we are dipping into our worship resources to bring you a clip by Matthew Westerholm. Dr. Westerholm has served as a worship pastor and professor in churches and schools in Chicago, Grand Rapids, and most recently at Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Currently, he, and let's be real, I, serve as associate professor of church music and worship at Southern Seminary here in beautiful Louisville, Kentucky. In this clip, taken from our 2018 Doxology and Theology Conference, I talk about how God reveals His glory through His slow-motion activity. And by way of clarification, there's a moment where I say Psalm 41, and I meant to say Isaiah 41. I'm entitling this talk, Look at All These People. One short talk and two confessions. That's look at all these people, one short talk, two confessions. I start with part one. Look at all these people, confession of a new worship leader. I said, look at all these people. As a brand new worship leader, I looked into the congregation and I see, I saw a sea of faces. God's church had gathered to worship on Sunday morning and I was stoked. And if you're trying to figure out what year it was, there's a little clue, the word stoked. (laughs) As a brand new worship leader, my favorite thing was the songs. I loved finding a new song that like pounded my heart and changed my world and kind of made me want to run. Then I loved arranging that new song with a big key change that would just bring the Shekinah glory. Now, again, if you're looking for what year this was, there's a little clue there. Key change. If you don't know what that is, ask your grandparents. um, I believe that if I found five heart-pounding, world-changing songs and then arranged those songs perfectly, the heavens would rend. God's glory cloud would descend and the eschaton would arrive. And so you're with me. You can imagine my disappointment on Sunday morning when it came and my team did the set, but the heavens did not rend. In fact, the edge of heaven didn't even fray. Um, What what was the problem? Was it my volunteers? Was it my pastor? Was it the sound system probably? Why wasn't it working? And the Lord, as the Lord used ministry to mature me, He helped me to see that my view of his work was too narrow. I overestimated the immediate impact of five songs. But because God can work immediate miracles, I was overlooking the Spirit's no less miraculous slow motion work. 
Our conference is considering the theme of liturgy, the ordering of our worship service elements that remains the same every week. It's one of the least exciting things to talk about because by definition, it doesn't change. But the liturgy isn't aimed at the immediate. It's aimed at the long haul. And so here's my argument. Either learn to recognize God's movement over the long haul or suffer a ministry of needless frustration, discouragement, and ingratitude. Let me describe what this looks like. We like things that happen fast, both in our lives and in our churches. We celebrate quick victories, immediate healings, fast answered prayers. The Holy Spirit can move quickly, and He does. Absolutely He does. In a dramatic moment, the Spirit can intervene in an obvious conversion. In an instant, He can free someone from a besetting sin. In the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit inspired spontaneous sermons with Peter and Stephen. But because the Holy Spirit is sovereign and free, His activity can't be reduced to a single description. John Whitfleet notes how the same Spirit who inspired spontaneous sermons in the book of Acts also inspired acrostic poems in the book of Lamentations. That probably wasn't done on the first draft. The Spirit has moved like river rapids, quickly, vivaciously, startling to see, and the Spirit moves like a glacier, subtly, cumulatively, and sometimes so imperceptibly that the impatient believer might be unaware of His work. In fact, God has a particular glory He likes to show off by moving slow. What do I mean by slow motion glory? Sometimes God moves so slowly, He has to be the one who's moving. That's the message of Psalm 41, where God dares the false idols to describe the past things and the future things But they can't because they weren't there in the beginning, and they're powerless over the future. And unlike these come-lately idols, the eternal God, this is Isaiah 41, 26, God declared it from the beginning that we might know and beforehand that we might say, He is right. Since no human being was alive for the entire arc of His action, only God can receive the credit and glory. In other words, If the timeline for God's activity were contained within our lifetime, we might be tempted to confuse God's accomplishment with our activity. If God's activity was contained within the 60 to 90 minutes of our services, we might be tempted to confuse God's work with our ministry. So God protects His glory from human glory thieves like us by revealing His purposes on His timeline. So we need to recognize that God has often used unpredictable ways to bring about His purposes in the world. He takes hundreds, sometimes thousands of years to accomplish things. Why would He do anything different now? If we obsess on the immediate flurry of activity around us right now, we can become either proud because things are going well or anxious because things aren't going so well. We have to trust in God's character. We have to work for His kingdom without seeing ourselves as indispensable. This is going to drive us to prayer, seeing ourselves as dependent on God rather than depending on ourselves. As my pastor Jason Meyer says, when the power is not from us, the pressure's not on us. 
that one was better than you thought. Hang on. That truth is like a grenade that's going to go off for somebody the second time I say it. Because the power is not from you, worship leader, the pressure is not on you. Worship leaders, some of us are so impatient with God's work in our churches that we're tempted to change careers. You'll be in a season of planting, frustrated that you can't see the harvest. But if you followed your impatient heart when the harvest time comes, you might be working at Guitar Center. <laughs> now, some of you work at Guitar Center. <laughs> and thank you for your service and deep discounts. And the Lord might be calling you away from vocational ministry. And that's not what I'm talking about. That's not my point. My point is this. My dearly beloved brothers and sisters, we must be steadfast, immovable, not frittering or frantic, but gentle, peaceful, purposeful, always abounding in the work of the Lord because, let me remind you what you know, in the Lord your labor is not in vain. We need to develop eyes that can see God's slow motion activity and appreciation for the ways that he works on his timeline. If we don't, we'll be unaware of his work in our lives, unaware of his work in our churches, and become needlessly frustrated, discouraged, and ungrateful. Instead of chasing immediate, fast-moving, emotionally powerful moments, consider the God who gloriously moves slowly. The impatient world thinks God is wasting his time, and they think you're wasting his, your time by being with him, and they're wrong. Now, more quickly, part two of my short talk. Look at all these people, part two, confessions of a senior saint. She said, look at all these people. And as they wheeled my 97-year-old grandmother into a room with her wheelchair, it was clear that she did not recognize that all of these people were her family. My dad, her oldest son, said, I'm your son, John. And she said to him, I had you? I reintroduced myself as her oldest grandson. She'd given me piano lessons that she did not remember, along with my wife and my three grandchildren that we brought to see her. And it was difficult to believe this woman could have lost so much. She had been an avid reader, but her failing eyesight gave her difficulty with even the largest print books. She played the piano and organ for decades in church, but her failing hearing prevented her from enjoying the music that played overhead in the nursing home room. And yet, buried deep within the recesses of her mind, my grandmother still had a sweet communion with the Lord Jesus. And this communion was rarely so evident as when she began to sing the congregational songs the Lord had etched in her mind in slow motion over a lifetime of worship services. The ravages of memory loss somehow missed the part of her mind that held hymn lyrics and melodies so near, and out they came. Oh, how sweet to walk in this pilgrim way, leaning on the everlasting arms. Oh, how bright the path grows from day to day, leaning on the everlasting arms. Our family sang together. Her voice slid to the alto. I, I couldn't figure out how to write this on the page, but she was doing the callback 
We're doing leaning, and she's leaning on Jesus. She's singing this. I didn't know that part. Here in the last days of her fight of faith, she was not unarmed. She had treasured up the truth of the gospel in the congregational songs that were etched in her mind and heart during a lifetime of worshiping the Lord Jesus. What have I to dread? What have I to fear? Leaning on the everlasting arms. I have blessed peace with my Lord so near, leaning on the everlasting arms. How are we preparing for our last moments of life or our final years, among other things to consider? If your people memorized the lyrics you're planning to sing in church this Sunday, would they be able to share the gospel with somebody in your city? And if not, is it too late to fix that? Are we preparing our hearts now for our last days by learning and singing songs that etch gospel truths deep into our hearts? Many of us can testify of times when facing intense grief, a song lyric has bubbled its way into our minds. What song lyrics have etched into the deepest memories of our souls? Will the songs that we know help us in our fight of faith? Will they remind us of things we've forgotten, even reminding us when the strength of our mind departs? So, in conclusion, worship leaders, instead of obsessing on the five songs that you're going to sing this Sunday, imagine five weeks of worship services. Imagine the Holy Spirit using truths from this Sunday's songs to grow patience in your congregation members during their everyday tasks, commuting to work, washing dishes, picking kids up from school. Imagine people's homes as small group members gather and encourage each other by singing these songs. Imagine midnights as people in fearful congregation members in your church gain fresh courage by praying through the worship songs they know from your church. Five weeks. Now imagine five years of services. Imagine dinner tables with mealtime prayers that quote meaningful worship lyrics. Imagine single believers drawing on the truth in these worship songs as they hope in their perfect Savior more than a hoped-for marriage. Imagine tense uh, budget discussions between husbands and wives when suddenly a song they've been singing at your church comes to their minds and reassures them, the Lord's going to take care of us. Imagine parents sitting on the edge of a bunk bed using worship lyrics to lead their children to Christ. Imagine nervous hospital waiting rooms where patients hum Sunday songs anticipating a doctor's prognosis and a resurrected Savior's return. Five weeks, five years, now what, five decades of worship services. Imagine saints losing their memories and their ability to recognize faces and yet keeping precious song lyrics in the back corners of their minds. And through these lyrics, our congregation saints hold fast to a faithful Savior who will never forget them. Imagine funeral homes as family members choose memorial service songs to celebrate God's history of faithfulness and ongoing grace to them, what are you giving them to sing? In large and in small ways, many of us are already experiencing the effects of age. Unless Jesus calls you home earlier, you are going to end your life 
with a faltering body and a faltering mind. And if your life has been about your resume and accomplishments, your energy and strength and your fame, then your final days are going to be really sad. But if your life has been one of leaning on the Lord Jesus, consider how happy those last days will be. He's going to be closer than ever. So, may we not despise the day of small things, but may we become more aware of God's extraordinary work through our ordinary means. As we wait for the heavens to finally rend, may we render a lifetime of faithful service to the faithful King who gave His life for us. And may we look forward to the day when with a song on our lips and joy in our hearts, we will take our final steps of faith into His everlasting arms. Amen. so thankful for those truths. If you'd like to hear that again, this message entitled, Look at All These People, go to our website, biblicalworship.com and click podcast. Click around and find the show notes for season one, episode four, and we're happy to share with you the entire thing. While you're at our website, you can find information concerning other worship resources from the Institute for Biblical Worship, the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, and our upcoming Doxology and Theology Conference. That's biblicalworship.com. That's what we have for you this time on the Doxology and Theology Podcast. Until next time, this is Dr. Matthew Westerholm reminding you that the gospel is so good, it has to be sung. Peace be with you. Peace be with you.